Hello and welcome to the next episode of our Tilney Investment Podcast. I'm Jonathan Cowan, Investment Director from Tilney's London office, and I'm talking with Chris Godding, our Chief Investment Officer, and Ben Seeger-Scott, our Head of Multi-Asset Funds. Clearly, uh, we're in extraordinary times with the coronavirus and all its implications, and that is what we are here to talk about. And by extension of that, we are dialing in from our respective homes, which I'm sure our listeners will understand. But please bear with us as it may affect our sound quality. But before we begin, here is some important information. Nothing in this recording is intended to constitute advice or recommendation, and you should not take any investment decision based on its content. Any opinions expressed may be subject to change without notice. Remember that the value of investments can fall as well as rise and that you may not get back the amount you originally invested. Past performance should not be considered a reliable indicator of future returns. Different funds carry varying levels of risk depending on the geographical region and industry sector in which they invest. You should make yourself aware of these specific risks prior to investing. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment or if you need advice on your specific requirements, you should seek professional financial advice. Now... Turning to the events that are unfolding, Chris, I was wondering if you could provide us with a, a summary of happening from the perspective of markets and what your expectations are with regard to the economic scenarios that are being considered. Um, thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'd like to uh, emphasize that we're here to help clients. And if you have any questions you want to channel through, your client advisor, please, um, please do so. We'll be happy to respond. Um, and and secondly, that the firm, uh, the investment team, is working very well in somewhat different environment. Um, getting used to working at home, uh, we are actively engaged on a daily basis, talking to each other in a in a very constructive way, and we're constantly reviewing the asset allocation and and the events, which are which are many. As you as as you can as as you can imagine, um, the um, clearly at the moment we have an external shock in the form of the coronavirus, and what I'm going to talk about today is how it's going to shape our longer term thinking and the uh, the view of uh, from an asset allocation perspective. Now there are in the short term we are going to see some some economic numbers. We're going to be pretty scary. Uh, there's no doubt we're going to see a significant downturn. Uh, and the, you know, I kind of have three scenarios based on activity recovery rates. And, and the first of those is that activity recovers in May as um, activity sort of starts to normalize and the uh, restraints get relaxed. And I would say that's probably a pretty low probability of that happening, something in the region of 10% probability. And the second Probability, which I think is the base case and probably something close to uh, 60, 70% probability is that we have a slower relaxation of restrictions, uh, GDP growth of maybe not minus 4% this year, and a um, recovery, quite a substantial recovery in 2021. So the, um, you could argue that this is all kind of look, we have to kind of look across the valley of what is going to be some some bad numbers in the short term. Um, the third scenario, which uh, again I think is a tail risk, um, probably slightly higher probability than the first scenario, which is the benign scenario, 
uh, is that we go we have a much more substantial economic downturn, much more much longer sustained uh, period of restrictions, uh, and 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 that would really sort of that would delay the recovery further through 2021. So in the short run. Um, now, the emergency procedures and programs have been put in place across the globe by uh, governments and central banks are extremely helpful, and they are easing what is essentially some really some really some significant pressures in in money markets and and other and liquidity in markets in general. So there's a, there's a massive uh, response here from governments and and uh, central banks, which will help. The financial recovery and the financial system to continue to function. Um, so the the duration of the uh, downturn is the is the key concern and what we're looking at. Um, but as I say, our base case is that we see a moderation of the restrictions um, in May, uh, and then a slow, probably sort of sawtooth type recovery as we get good news, bad news, um, and. And that, um, and this, we see a basing pattern in markets. And the upside is that the same kind of operating leverage we see on the downside in earnings will lead to significant operating leverage on the upside. So, in terms of where we are with markets, um, you know, I think I'm absolutely convinced that equities will recover once the confidence uh, begins to return and the containment is seen to be proven to be effective. Uh, and you know, at this point, given my estimates on translating that economic downturn into earnings and then the recovery, I think we're sort of pretty close. We're maybe not quite there yet, but we're very close, maybe 10%, 5 to 10% downside in terms of global equities uh, before we reach um, a rock bottom. Um, and then on the flip side, I think it's important to bear in mind we have kind of a 50% upside if uh, just a, a return to a fairly conservative um, assumptions based on earnings in 2021. So the risk reward is look, starting to look really quite uh, quite attractive in my view. Um, and you know the, the, um, I think the question is would you buy today? I think it's interesting. The most important thing in my view is to look at your risk profile. Do you, do you have enough risk in the portfolio in your in your looking forward for the next 10 years because we're looking at you know, returns, expected returns on an annualized basis just below 10% uh, in, in equities. And uh, the time to be greedy is when everyone else is fearful. And I, I think we are pretty close to that point right now. Chris, um, in terms of what you've just been saying, so in terms of an attractive risk reward profile, obviously for uh, investors who may not be as knowledgeable, uh, they may see their portfolios are way down um, and it could be quite a fearful time for, for them. Can you just explain a little bit about how markets discount the news and, and how you arrive at a conclusion that actually the risk rewards uh, ratio is actually quite good now? Um, if you can expand on that bit, please. Yeah, it's a good good point. And the, the equity markets are really efficient discounting mechanism. They They work uh, very rapidly, uh, and I think what they've been struggling with recently is finding some kind of bearings. It's a bit like um, you know flying on instruments in in cloud. Uh, you, you've got nowhere to, to look at out the window to to give you your bearings, and so you tend to get a little bit of disorderly markets, which create dislocation, 
that's essentially what the central banks and the governments are trying to stop here uh, and to give the markets the time to sort of settle down and find find a level. And I think once they've sort of once we um, reach sort of that uh, uh, that the, the measures in place are effective or seen to be effective by markets, we'll start to look at okay, what's the downside here? Uh, do some do some math, look at the earnings um, assumptions based on some pretty uh, severe downturns, and then you can come up with a base number and then work off that as your valuation floor. And then we can also look at the asset values of the companies that we're investing in, uh, which is a book value, and say, look, this is a, even if we discount that book value, the valuations here are starting to look attractive. So there are real assets in these companies. They, they have um, uh, uh, very valuable franchises and, and physical uh, goods as well to back up their share prices. And so that's the kind of the, what we look at as a, as a base case. And in terms of operating leverage on the upside, we kind of assume a normal return to growth. But in this situation, you'll get a bigger kicker as activity steps up to, to fill the gaps that have been left. And that gives you really significant operating leverage on the upside. That's great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, ben, uh, can you tell us a little bit how we're positioned with our strategies coming into to this crisis and any t- actions that have been taken as a result? Um, a- absolutely. So uh, coming really off the, the back of last year, We've been closely monitoring uh, markets, and as regular listeners to the podcast will already know, we had some concerns over parts of the market looking a little bit complacent. Other areas, we we saw potential uh, sources for opportunities. And really, that's a theme that we carried into this year. I think overall, we've been reasonably positioned in risk assets. Now, it will depend on the exact mandate, both across the business, but also within the, the risk and return profile for a given client. What, uh, what we run, particularly from the central team, we have multi-asset portfolios. So we have some lower risk portfolios that tend to have much less in equities and more in alternatives of fixed income, all the way up to, to the more adventurous elements. But within that, we continue to focus on those fundamental values. So we, for example, coming into to the crisis, we've still been relatively constructive in areas like the UK that still already started the crisis looking relatively attractive value given a lot of the uh, the discount that was priced in uh, that issue of Brexit that we were talking about relatively recently. So fundamentally, they were, were looking more attractive. And as Chris was highlighting, the, the recent moves has potentially created some more areas of potential value when we think the time's right. Against that, we've had a few less or more limited positions in the US, we, we took some profit there relatively recently. The US still looks role was looking rather complacent. And I think if you look around the world, it is the area as this crisis unfolds that is slightly behind the curve. So that's our sort of positioning within equities. Of course, portfolios are about more than equities. I know that the news always just talks about the FTSE 100 and all of these other main measures that can cause uh, some level of anxiety. But multi-asset portfolios have many other different aspects to them. In the portfolios we have within fixed income, we have exposure to US treasuries, and as sterling has fallen, that's really been a boost to those, even as yields have fallen, as central banks have cut interest rates. We also have some positions in gold that are, that are benefiting um, as well. Um, and away from that, 
particularly the low-risk portfolios, we've had a reasonable amount of cash, and we're really looking potentially for opportunities uh, to deploy those. On top of that, it's worth highlighting we're not just uh, invested very broadly in the market. We use uh, a lot of very high-quality fund managers. All of these go through a huge amount of due diligence and research. We have a very sizable team. All they do day in, day out is go and find these managers. So, you know, we're not just buying the FTSE 100 companies. We're looking for qualities that have solid balance sheets and are capable of quality growth. Uh, And really, a number of those names have really helped during this crisis because it's those high quality companies that have held up relatively well. So in terms of what we're doing some of the areas that have done particularly well for us recently, some of the more defensive areas that have really protected portfolios, they now look like they probably have not too much further upside. So as Chris highlighted, as we look for this cycle, potentially bottom and recover, it's those areas that have done well for us could potentially be used uh, as a source of funds if and when we we look to sort of redress that, uh, that risk positioning. Okay. And in terms of the the liquidity of your underlying holdings of the managed funds in general. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of the most important aspects that our fund analysts look at when researching the underlying fund managers is the liquidity uh, in their underlying portfolios. I know it's been in the news over the last year or so, um, but really that the analyst team here has been somewhat ahead of the curve. Some of the challenges last year we'd already considered uh, and acted on in 2018. So all of the managers that we use, or most of the managers we use, I think we, we are very confident have a high level of liquidity. Most of these are in large blue chip companies. So big uh, listed companies that have a lot of liquidity uh, on exchange. These are not the small niche areas that some people worry about. These are large, these are liquid. As we look at the market, it has been trading uh, in a very uh, volatile fashion. But it is worth highlighting There are still buyers and sellers, so quite a lot of liquidity in the market. We have an in-house trading team, so we speak a lot with them. They tell us that the the buy and sell ratio is actually not as skewed as some people may think. There are a lot of buyers still out there. So very comfortable in terms of the managers that we hold uh, in the underlying aspects. Within fixed income, our treasury exposure, treasuries are an incredibly liquid asset class, very easy to to buy and sell, as is, is the fiscal gold position. We have some slightly more niche products that I think we've talked about before on the podcast. They only make up a very, very small uh, amount of the overall portfolio. So negligible levels in terms of uh, of liquidity. Um, So overall, I I can be pretty confident we don't have any liquidity concerns in terms of the central mandates or in terms of the underlying. We have uh, pretty decent cash uh, on account at the moment, but also more broadly, we're not seeing particularly significant redemptions either. And I think that's a theme that is reflected across the wealth management space. A lot of the moves have been driven by some market participants, hedge funds, high frequency traders. The evidence suggests actually most most investors and most of our clients are taking a much more measured approach. They're looking to the long term. They recognise that the long term return we've had over the last few years uh, really comes at the risk of these short term dislocations. In fact, you know, we've had very low outflows from from some of our funds, some of the middle. Actually, some of the some of our funds have seen inflows over the last couple of months. So overall, uh, no no concerns over liquidity. Chris, so to conclude, uh, what is the message you'd like to convey to our clients and investors in general right now, given the, the extraordinary circumstances we're in? 
Well, yeah, um, Jonathan, it is extraordinary. We, um, I think if we look back a year from today, we will um, see asset prices um, higher, uh, that um, the global economy will have recovered, uh, and we will see um, stock markets essentially uh, reflect that as confidence rebuilds. And I think it, it will be rebuild very quickly once we start to get to a, a, a reasonable level of confidence about containment. I think what I would say is you should talk to your advisor, make sure you're positioned correctly for that next phase, which, you know, given uh, how close we think we are to equity markets sort of bottoming out, um, talk to your advisor about um, about your positioning of your portfolio for, for the next 10 years. That's great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your time. Do appreciate it. Uh, we will be back again soon with a new episode. Um, and as, as Chris alluded to earlier, all, all the client servicing teams are still here. So if you need to call in and talk to your advisor, our investment specialists, we are here. We can talk you through what's going on. Uh, and it's all underpinned by the the incisive research from, from Chris and, and Ben and his team. Um, if you've got any feedback or questions or, or comments about the podcast, please send us an email at podcast at tilney.co.uk. That's podcast at tilney.co.uk. Thanks for listening and, and stay well. Thank you.